0: This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Mint Mobile. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. If like me, you have multiple phones and you want to save some money on multiple SIMs. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Thursday, February 23rd, 2023, and I have the awesome Anshel Sag here with me. Hi, Anshel, how are
1: you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me on again.
0: You know what I just realized? It's a mad week and a mad day. I am heading on an airplane in about five hours to go to Barcelona for MWC. So, you know, I just realized we should probably talk about what we think we're going to see there. I agree. Because I I have a calendar full of events. I have some devices already I can't speak about. And I know some stuff is coming that we kind of know is coming. So what's your take so far on the landscape of MWC, especially since you're an analyst. So you probably have an interestingly different perspective than me there.
1: I I think it's definitely a, a more interesting MWC than last year. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, you know, I still think the show isn't really back to where it was. No, um, pre-pandemic. But um, I think the equation of whether or not I should go um was a lot easier this year than last year. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a lot of companies that still want to get in front of people. Um and I think there's a lot of products that people want to get out there. Um, and I also think if you look at you know, some of the products that we haven't actually had a chance to see in person that may have launched in Asia, but haven't launched in Europe yet or North America, this is a great opportunity to, to get people in front of those products and try them out and maybe even see some upcoming prototypes as well.
0: Indeed, I think you've kind of covered it all in one sentence, but I think to get more down to the details... What strikes me is that, you know, we've had, of course, the big Samsung thing, which they've done separately for years now. This is nothing new, but it's interesting to see how Oppo launched the N2, the fine N2 flip last week. I have one. Uh, They launched it last week and flew some people to London last week, only to basically fly them back out to MWC this week. There's a lot of the media that I know is being sponsored. Buy Oppo, not me this year, last year they flew me out there, but the point is that uh you know we're seeing still a bit of what we saw in years before Covid where some people, some companies I should say are launching products kind of just before, or there it is, the little Oppo fine n 2 flip um you know, we're seeing folks just like companies just launching things before after there's uh rumors of some people going to another trip right after. Also with Oppo, possibly for the Find X6 Pro, I could presume that might be what it is. Um, I mean, that phone's going to come out at some point. That's really their proper flagship. I know they're focusing a lot on the folding phones right now, which is smart because they want to get a piece of that Samsung Pie. But yeah, it's interesting. And, and you know what else is interesting? It's interesting to see how many phones have already launched, we probably will see launch globally. Like Xiaomi 13, I don't have any Intel per se that that's going to launch at MWC, folks. I don't want to speak for sure here, but it's pretty clear that phone's been out since December uh, in China and we haven't seen a global release yet. So, I mean, would you wait till after MWC at this point to launch it? You know?
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you follow Lei Jun on, uh, on Twitter, but he's been posting a lot of. A lot of teasers.
0: Yeah. I mean, here's some of the things that I think we can expect, right? Reasonably, we can expect something from Realme, right? Because they have, they've always had a flagship around this time. And, you know, it's always been super competitive. And they just launched the Realme GT Neo 5 in China, which is the first 240 watt phone. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see some other phone with that technology and possibly their flagship, even, right? Mm-hmm. Then we have like Honor. I mean, it's clear to me, Honor, the the folding phone, the VS has already been announced and I believe they're going to launch that internationally. Uh, then there is, you know, potentially a, a Magic successor, right? There's got to be a Magic 5 Lite just launched in Europe, which is a rebrand. I talked about this on last week's show. It's a rebrand of an Honor 9A or something. So it's basically like they're... Seems like they're lining up all their ducks to launch some sort of flagship there too. Um, These are the ones at the top of my head. I think we're going to, like those three, I think are pretty much going to be there. ZTE, ZTE, who knows what they do? It sounds to me like they might be doing something.
1: I have some intel on that. Um, So they are um, going to be announcing a tablet with a 3D display, but it's a glasses-free, really high immersion 3d display uh they work with leia which I was gonna is gonna say
0: is that the same technology as the uh red phone
1: much much more mature version of that technology Yeah.
0: okay interesting i'm surprised leia is still around i i did um talk to the ceo once about their upcoming tech and he kind of hinted that a tablet would be but this is like years ago this is pre-covid i thought by now that they were gone and disappeared you know
1: they had already done that tablet. This is second generation. Aha.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: So that's what ZTE is announcing.
0: Did they do the first one with ZTE or someone else? No, do you
1: remember? they did it themselves. Oh, I think
0: I remember that, actually, now that you mention it.
1: Yeah, they tried to cede it to a few press. Interesting. I think interest was a little murky. Lukewarm? But-
0: I yeah. think I saw that tablet when I met him actually, and I was like, "Dude, that's not even competitive. It looks ugly, and that display looks like crap." I'm sorry to say, but hopefully this is better. Yeah, let's see who, who else. Oh, so OnePlus is showing a concept phone. We know this because they told yep. us already. So, um, some we're going to talk about some of the leaks around that. That's I think what I want to jump into next. But I mean, do you have anything else right now that you think is is kind of more or less you by deduction confirmed for MWC in terms of
1: devices? Not really. There is some AR stuff that's kind of leaking over from uh, CES, but I don't really think there's going to be anything particularly earth-shattering on the smartphone side from what I've seen.
0: You know, the other thing that, well, I mean, it doesn't just have to be smartphone, but yeah, I hear you. I think, again, my fear with MWC is that, you know, if Oppo and you know Realme and honor start pulling out and doing their own events separately and oppo is starting to do that clearly with the fine n2 flip like what's going to happen to mwc in terms of device launches now i know it's a very big industry event it's kind of like ctia right like a lot of the wheeling and dealing of all the important stuff happening in the industry especially at the operator and the the, you know, networking level happens there. I'm not saying it's going to go away, but I, I kind of don't want it to become a CTIA, you know, where remember all the cool products they would announce at CTIA back in the day? Like I would go to Orlando, Florida or San Diego or something. And like it back then, it was heavily driven by the carrier. And of course, CTIA is very heavily US centric show, but it was like you could go there and know as a journalist, you were going to get hands on with a whole bunch of really cool crap, right? Yeah, I, want I think that the, to go
1: away. I think that that will be the inevitable end if partners stop launching devices there. Um, yeah, when you look at what what MWC is today without smartphone launches, it's effectively infrastructure and carriers uh, and and carrier services. So it will become a much bigger CTIA. Um, and I mean, the best thing it could be is just. Maybe they just put devices on a on a show floor and have an expo with the devices that they've launched, yeah. whether it's before or after. But I just feel like people getting hands-on is a big component of MWC, in my opinion. Absolutely. And seen things in person. But if the OEMs refuse to do launches at the show, I'm not sure they're going to really want to invest in having show space and floor space for it.
0: Yeah. Did you hear anything from Sony? That's the one thing that I'm like, Nokia, they have something going on, but I don't think we're going to see anything exciting from them. But there's been so many rumors of the new flagship from Sony. Do you have any intel on whether that might be happening here?
1: No, I I also saw those rumors and I haven't really seen or heard anything that would validate those rumors being true.
0: Interesting, right? Because Sony used to really drive product at MWC back in the day. And uh, I want to say that there is something that's kind of exciting on my calendar here, and that might lead to a hands-on or device, folks, and that is uh, with Techno. Techno, similarly to Infinix, is a brand that is Chinese-based but makes phones for developing markets, mostly Africa, parts of the Middle East and Eastern Europe, and uh, far East countries like Malaysia and Philippines and stuff. And honestly, I've had several of both of the company's phones and they're always pretty awesome bang for the buck. And I I got that techno phone with the uh, telephoto that pops out mm-hmm. and that was pretty good. I mean, a 2.5 a X telephoto is a nice thing to have because, and they were able to do that because they were able to artificially make the Z depth, bigger right by having the camera pop out like that this is a cool phone so techno is supposed to have potentially a folding phone that they're going to be showing and it's kind of crazy to me that this brand that's really been focused on you know a uh, budget i wouldn't say budget but definitely developing you know markets is potentially coming out with a folding phone because the techno with the camera that pops out th- that thing is is you know like really expensive, right? I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. It's called the Phantom X2 Pro. It's like really not cheap. And it's a bit of a one-off. It's kind of been like a show-off phone, right? But for that kind of market that they're addressing, you'd think they'd be more like Realme trying to make a flagship that's kind of really clear undercutting the competition, right? But no, they're they're supposedly going to a folding phone, at least to show it off at MWC. So, huh.
1: Yeah, I think we talked about that before.
0: It was you and, and me, right? I think it was on yeah. the last
1: podcast you were on.
0: Because I yep. thought it was going to be affordable because I was like, it's got to be techno. And then you're like, no, no, did you see the price? And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, man, techno. Every time I hear that word, all I can think of is party time. Okay. Yeah, so let's see what else. MediaTek and Qualcomm are going to be there. So who knows what they're going to be showing off. I'm kind of excited. I'm hearing rumors of Qualcomm doing a 7 plus Gen 1 type chip, but I've been briefed, so I can tell you that I don't think that's happening, but I heard rumors, so you never know. Any thoughts on that?
1: I have been briefed on both companies fully. Me too, yeah. And I mean, basically most of what's going to be out there is out there now exactly and yeah I mean that there's one more announcement coming tomorrow so unfortunately we won't be able to talk about it here no but in general I think it's you know I don't think we're really going to see anything earth-shattering or particularly surprising from either mm. company where I will say mediatek is going to have a, an increased presence at MWC this year
0: which is exciting
1: they're actually going to have a much bigger booth with more demos which i'm excited about me too um wi-fi 7 and qualcomm's obviously (laughs) going to have their gigantic booth like they always do but i believe they're going to be in the same hall this year which is going to be very interesting and whoa easy for us to 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 be able to walk between
0: (laughs) you know i have to i have to give qualcomm props because every year this happens and every year they do this for me and this is what's cool. I ping them last minute and say, "Hey, I need a room to record the podcast," and they stuff me in a conference room in their booth, and we record the show. And it's generally a covered room, unlike a lot of the, uh, you know, show floor booths that are not covered and terrible for sound and recording. And so, I gotta give Qualcomm a big thank you in advance for me probably doing this again. So, if <laughs> if Haley or Catherine, all the folks out there listening.
1: I think I recorded it with you last year.
0: I think you did it last year. Yeah. 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 And if you want to join again this year, I think I've got, I can't guarantee you this folks, but I've got a few folks lined up that, you know, of course, Nick Gray, as usual, who's my partner in crime for any on the go mobile podcast uh, needs, and then uh, potentially Narav Gondia and uh, maybe Christian DeLooper. So yeah, if you want to join us, we can uh, we can see how our predictions panned out. It'll probably be on Tuesday next week. I don't know exactly okay. when yet. But, you know, we're having a bit of a chill podcast today, folks, because there's not a lot of news. And I just woke up early for this. And I have a crazy week and crazy day. So we're just going to take it easy and talk about some of the news. I, I have mentioned the OnePlus 11 concept. And we saw a teaser, right, for that. So, I mean, it's not what I was expecting. Honestly, I was kind of expecting they would show a folding phone more like in that direction because we've seen going through TINA, the Chinese certification, the naming for two OnePlus phones, the OnePlus, I don't know, Fold or something and the OnePlus Flip something. I think it was OnePlus V Fold, OnePlus V Flip. That was a few weeks ago. And so we know for sure they're making essentially Oppo Fine N2, you know, uh, versions of, for OnePlus. But are those coming to North America? I really, really, really hope so because we really, really need that competition and we really need OnePlus to kind of come out there swinging. Look, the 11 5G is a great phone. My review's out. I told you last week about it. I think other than wireless charging, which bothers me that it's missing, I think it's a solid phone and I feel like they've kind of found the mojo back in many ways. But at the same time, we need something that really pushes the envelope because this market, you know, look at it, they still don't have, nobody still has made a Galaxy S23 Ultra competitor. Maybe Xiaomi, you know, with the 13 Pro or whatever the ultra version of that's going to be. But like, we still don't have anyone regularly making something. And I'm not saying that's where OnePlus should go because they should try to undercut the competition. But I'm thinking the folding market is ripe, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I think the folding market is very ripe. And there's a lot of interest that has been mostly stoked by Samsung. Yeah. I think, you know, when I look at, the market today really seems like a lot of consumers are excited about the flip phones, uh, whether it's from Samsung or not. The fold, I'm you know, it's much more of a business user. I love my fold, but it's not for everybody. And Correct. I definitely feel like the majority of consumers are more interested in a flip than a fold. Um, but you know, having competition is is always good. And I think you know, add Motorola to the equation, and then you add you know Oppo. OnePlus group into it, um, it could be very interesting. And if there's some kind of competitiveness on price, uh, I would love to see that. And to your point, I also have my OnePlus 11 review up, and I also agree with you on the wireless charging. I will say, though, they still haven't resolved the Wi-Fi performance issues that I noticed. Oh, Um, interesting. And and they had an update that came out that I thought might fix it. Um, But I'm literally getting half the speeds on Wi-Fi on that device compared to my other uh, wi-fi six devices wild um, and it's and it's interesting because most people might not notice it because they don't have a gigabit fiber connection with a good All enough right. router to push a gig over the wi-fi but i do and that's one of the reasons why i do because i can test the wi-fi performance and i'm only getting like three to four hundred megabits on the one plus 11 while i'm getting like uh, almost like you know 900 to a you know eight to 900 on the samsung
0: you know Now that you mention it, I noticed that too, but it wasn't as obvious for me because my connection doesn't cap off quite as fast as yours. I think I might like, it says, say one giga, but I'm getting like 750 down and up. And I was seeing like 600-ish on the Samsung, 400-ish on the OnePlus, but I didn't like, ah, you know, interference, whatever. I didn't think much of it. But it's interesting because it's supposed to have Wi-Fi 7. This is one of the first phones with Wi-Fi 7. And You know what the hell interesting i don't know
1: so i'll tell you something else uh my understanding is that there are even though there are devices with wi-fi 7 capable chipsets in them i do not believe that any of them are currently operating in wi-fi 7 mode yet
0: oh yeah no i i'm sure i mean like right now this is future proofing this is i'm buying this phone because I'm on a tight budget. I've saved all my money. I'm going to buy a phone every two years, a flagship, right? And this is like definitely one of the best bang for your bucks right now, if you're North America based and you really want all the bands and the support and everything. So yeah, you've saved your money, you want it, and you know that you're going to be buying Wi-Fi seven router in the next year or two. That makes perfect sense. And maybe you have a gigabit connection. But I feel like it's not a must-have. Like, personally, for me who keeps phones a year or so, I think I'd be very happy with Wi-Fi 6C on a phone right now, you know? But, yeah. So, yeah, this OnePlus concept looks like a OnePlus 11 on steroids with, like, some blinking lights a la, you know, Nothing Phone 1 in the back. I'm not sure what to make. I'm not super excited about this. I'm sorry, you know?
1: I definitely got Nothing Phone vibes out of that. I don't really know what the point of it is, but then again, (laughs) what's the point, you know, the notifications on the nothing phone, right? That's basically it.
0: Yeah. It's a gimmick on the nothing phone one. No offense to nothing because I love that phone. I think the phone is extremely well balanced and great value. Ticks all the right boxes and delivers a very good experience at all levels. And, you know, you don't need a flagship chip to do that. If you're a gamer, you do, but like, I don't think that most people care You know, to see nothing come out with a phone that only had two cameras, none of this two megapixel BS was so refreshing, you know? And I feel like I don't want to be too mean to them, but yeah, the Glyph light stuff, I could have done without. But it's also what distinguished them and got them the attention. So we can't probably be too mean about it. But this for OnePlus, remember that concept phone with the ND filter in uh, CS whenever it was? Do you remember that? I think it was CS, I want to say CS 2020, just before the collapse of the universe. Um, Anyway, it was orange and it was essentially a rebranded, I think, OnePlus 7 or 8 Pro at the time. It had a leather back that was orange and it had, the camera module had this ND filter that you could turn on and off. Using, you know, like the same technology as you see on glass roofs in cars now that can turn on and off, like, or, you know, what is on a Dreamliner, but that was 10 years ago and that's much older technology. And so you could like turn on the ND filter and basically shoot in the daylight uh, with a really fast lens that uh, would kind of be a little bit less intensely exposed because of that ND filter. And you know, that's kind of what this is going to be. It's just they're going to take a 1 plus 11 and just like
1: sauce it up somehow. Eh, I'm not
0: sure I'm super
1: excited about
0: that. No offense, but
1: I I could see it potentially being a way to distribute light for flash in a way that's maybe oh. more even and like cuz you know every phone flash the flash is really close to the sensors, right? So if you were able to distribute the light from the flash a little more evenly, you could create like a very nice studio-like lighting setup when you take photos of people. That's like literally the only thing I can think of at this point.
0: Yeah. um, Look, I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. I I don't want to be mean because it's like, I I just concepts are cool. Like It's just that I'm trying, like I was hoping we'd see something more like, Reflective of what's coming rather than hey, look, we did a cool adaptation on a current phone, you know. Yep. Like they did last time at that CS thing. But um, let's see what happens. Um, so what else? Oh, okay. So this is not really related to MWC, but we've seen leaks of a Moto Razor where the entire front class, if you hold it shut, is is a display with the cameras literally cutting through it and the flash cutting through it. Kind of think, yeah, it's awesome. Think, um, you know, think the whole punch on the modern phones, but imagine that at a scale where it can accommodate two front cameras and a LED flash, uh, not front cameras, two rear cameras, but they're on the back of the phone, which folds in half. So, you know, you get what I'm saying. If you're confused, check out the link in the show notes. I got a link to 9to5Google about it. And there's some, some leak. covered photos there, renders or something. I think that's super cool because, you know, the Oppo Find N2 Flip that I have, having a larger cover display, even though it doesn't do more than the display on the Samsung Z Flip, is just nice. It's just more real estate. Things are easier to read. It's more fun. And having a vertical display like that makes it much easier to take selfies with the good cameras. And so... I want to see Moto do that, especially since this is rumors to go back to a slimmer, narrower form factor than the second gen Razor that came out in China first is now available globally and is a bit of a tank for a flip phone. Uh, if you watch Michael Fisher's video, you'll see what I mean, right?
1: Yeah, I think that previous model was definitely designed to um, maximize screen space um, to, to, to differentiate from, say, Samsung. In that right. sense, but I hope that this new generation maybe moves slightly back to a little more of that proper razor stylizing because I felt like they abandoned that um, design concept with the second generation when they really lean into it on the first. Um, but yeah, I think that the that the whole punch style camera configuration is really interesting because you can start putting things around the camera lenses. And- right. And, like, you can have exposure and things like that around the lenses themselves.
0: Oh, yeah, you could tweak it. Or you could... I'm actually surprised I have an LED flash in there. You could use the display as the flash, but centering it around the lenses more, you know? And to be clear, folks, the lenses are raised out of that display. Like, so there actually is some Z-depth there. It's not like they're flush, like a normal punch hole front camera would be a selfie camera on a regular bar phone. But it's just interesting. And and I'm like, you know, as soon as I saw it, I was like... You know, it's one of those moments, like, of course you do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, how did we not think of that before? Um, but, I mean, it's probably, you know, there's some pricing cost. issues there. Custom custom displays are not cheap. But it's Lenovo. So, you know.
1: Well, here's the thing. Every time you cut out a piece of the display, you are driving up your cost. So For sure. Yeah. It happens. And yields are also go worse, too. So... I think this might be just one of those things where they uh, figured out to make it less costly to do. Um, but I think there's lots of room for interesting user interface experiences around the camera, kind of like you're seeing Apple try to do with the what Oval, you wanna call it, pill, whatever you wanna call it, the dynamic island. I'm thank sorry, thank you. I there's a proper word for it. Of course, Apple has a proper word for everything. And I will say. As somebody who's been using the iPhone 14 Pro Max since it launched, mm-hmm. it's kind of growing on me. Um, I think know, it's awesome. It's it's becoming more useful. Like when I'm driving, I can see my navigation because uh, I don't have a, a new enough car anymore to, to do Apple CarPlay. Um, but <clears throat> it's really interesting. And I think you could do something similar with photography, videography, around the cameras and just making more use of the screen space.
0: Absolutely. I think this is cool. I'm looking forward to it. I feel like this might be Moto going back in the proper direction for their flip phone, folding phone, because look, they are one of the pioneers. They didn't get it right, but they got it first. And we can't fault them for that. Like they just, it's hard to compete with Samsung. Let's put it this way. But I believe they could. And in the same way as Oppo, so it's a good first effort there. And and I think uh, I want to see more. And it, it means that we could get this phone, right? It means this is, might be the phone that Verizon says, oh, yeah, we want. Because you know Verizon and Moto, they're in bed. They love each other. So if we see this here, I heard that they didn't. Verizon didn't really like the bigger, wider phone. And so this might be the solution to us getting another folding phone. That's a flip format here in, uh, in this market. Of course, if you're in other countries, you'll get it probably first. <laughs> I'm revealing that, you know, this, uh, this whole coming out to China first thing is, is definitely becoming real. You know, it used to be even with OnePlus, like it used to be that you used to get the phone's global launch right away, but now the last two years they've launched their flagship in China first. So you gotta get used to that for better or for worse. Right.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay, speaking of folding phones, um, the Pixel Fold has been rumored for a long time now. Dave2D a few weeks, months ago, did a video where he got a dummy, um, and you could see the dimension comparison with the the Oppo Find N2 and versus the uh, Galaxy Z Fold 4, of course. And you know, it looks more, you know, like a an Oppo Find N2 type, of, you know, book folding phone. But this rumor I thought was interesting, or leak rather, is that, um, no, it's more of a rumor. It's that the, the it might be a little heavy, but it will have a bigger battery than uh, the competition, which I'm kind of seeing this in two ways. One way is that, oh, yeah, that'd be great. More battery life is good, but then I'm like, oh, tensor, right? So I'm like, this is gonna have a tensor chip in it, so it probably does need a bigger battery because it's, I mean, the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 is so freaking efficient, you know, like Unreal.
1: My first reaction when I saw this leak was, of course, it has a bigger battery, it needs it because right. it's running a tensor, and more importantly, it's running a Shannon Samsung modem, which oh. has been the bane of the pixels existence it's since so bad switch to it and i think i, I actually le- tweeted this out a couple days ago you know i think the pixel 7 pro would have been perfect if it had a snapdragon oh
0: i've been saying this all along like this is the perfect with snapdragon 8 Gen 2. like unbelievably good and it's sad to say that but it's so real like every time i use my pixel in kind of you know, spurious, difficult signal areas, it just like turns into a warm brick in my hand. And it's like, dude, I can see the current flowing from the battery into the radio right now. Like, Don't do that. Like, I don't experience that with my S23 Ultra or my OnePlus 11. Like, what the F? You put them side by side with T-Mobile, right? You put them, or Mint, our sponsor, because they're running on T-Mobile. Like, I have a Mint SIM right now on my S23 Ultra, and it's awesome. And I put them side by side, and literally, I've got an extra bar on any Qualcomm modem, or even MediaTek, for that matter. That, That... Fine, N2 Flip is a MediaTek Dimensity 9000+. I'm running it on Tmall right now. I get one more bar than my Pixel on a phone that's not even certified for our market. Like, come on. like
1: <laughs> Google, Google has some issues with trust, I think, when it yeah. comes to semiconductor supply. And, um, you know, Google's in a weird place right now as a company. So uh, I don't even know how long This will last because it's a very expensive, you know, production hobby. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, if Samsung is no longer, you know, spending the money to produce high end Exynos chips, I'm not even sure Google will have a partner to do that with anymore because they did a lot of borrowing in the first generation. And if they're not doing a lot of borrowing in the second generation, that means they're doing a lot of their own custom engineering. So here's a thought.
0: Here's a thought why this is my ideal Pixel 8 Pro, okay? Because, I mean, the folding phone is cool. I want one. I'll have one, absolutely. But I think my my daily drive for the next couple of years is still going to be, for me, at least a brick phone, like a, a slab. And, and I think, so if I were to imagine uh, a situation where you know, Samsung and Google have a talk and Samsung goes, you know, we're not going to make those for much longer or we're going to move on to a completely different chip architecture or something, and it's not going to be quite ready for a while. You need to find another solution. I would love to see Google to go to Snapdragon 8, Gen, whatever, right? But with a custom MPU, kind of like the Mary Silicon X from Oppo. Like, I I know it's not the most efficient because it's not tightly integrated, but considering how... Kind of bad tensor is, I'd rather when I fire up the camera, use a little more juice and have an incredible experience and you know, uh, then not have that and then still have better radio, better efficiency when I'm making playing games or whatever. that's that's just me just I, I think
1: I think the interesting part is you know there's a possibility they could use media tech, but I feel like that that NPU and security. Those things can be integrated. Uh, those things can also exist on their own chips, like they have in the past. So correct. I, I don't know. I just think Google struggles with hardware, and they got really close with the Pixel Seven Pro, and I just feel like they missed the mark on the SOC.
0: Hundred percent. And I think that I'm not. I'm not. You know saying no to that Immensity 9200 or something. It's just, I haven't benchmarked that chip yet. I don't know. Like, I know that the 9000, 9000 plus are pretty solid, very competitive, but those are last year's chips. And what I want to see is, uh, you know, I get a, one of those Vivo X90s. Uh, I'm, I've requested one, so let's find out. Um, X90 Pro specifically, since the Pro Plus is Snapdragon. So yeah, I'll find out, folks. But right now, I, I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's great. I just feel like Qualcomm has delivered such an efficiency blow this year particularly like the 8 gen 1 folks i wasn't very impressed to be honest like the 8 plus gen 1 saved the day but like those of you on a snapdragon 8 gen 1 like if you have an oppo fine x5 pro or if you have a one plus 10 pro or if you have a any s22 phone from last year like you're probably noticing like the if you have any other phones nearby that are the newer Snapdragon generations, that it's like night and day. And, you know, like particularly with the S22 Ultra, like versus S23 Ultra, I, I've, you know, I've used them extensively and holy crap, the difference, right?
1: Yeah, I'm sad because I'm still waiting for my S23 Ultra. Um, Dude, I'm you will literally get
0: 25% more battery life. Literally, just off the top. Like, just like that. Same phone, essentially, just better performance better battery life and the camera is slightly better Um, so yeah amazing but speaking of (laughs) galaxy s23s there is rumors again of a galaxy s23 fan edition fe um We skipped last year's S22 FE. The S21 FE wasn't as price competitive as it could be. And the S20 FE, which started all the whole FE thing, was awesome. We loved the 20 FE. 21 FE were kind of mad because it wasn't as competitive and 22 FE didn't exist. So I'm actually excited to see a 23 FE if those rumors pan out.
1: I will add the 21 FE was actually a great phone at the very end of its life cycle. <laughs> they'd cut the price very aggressively and i had a friend who was looking for uh, an affordable phone and i think they had just let out the a53 5g and it was brand new and the s21 fe was like um kind of like falling off yeah and the prices were essentially the same and i was like dude it's a no brainer
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I versus a class, yeah, you get wireless charging, you're getting Snapdragon eight series, you're getting, you know, better cameras. I mean, yeah, this is what we loved. I, I remember when I reviewed the S twenty FE, I said that Samsung had out OnePlus'd OnePlus to OnePlus. <laughs> That's remember what I said. That's exactly what I felt like. I felt like I had a OnePlus phone in my hand in terms of value you know mm-hmm. and at the time OnePlus was kind of fumbling they were going up in price you know and delivering great phones don't get me wrong just not quite as aggressively priced and i felt like Samsung's like look OnePlus this is how you make a value phone in the flagship realm yeah so i want to see that honestly if they can pull that off and you're going to see you know some people are going to say well, what about the S22 going on sale now really cheap and i'm like 8 gen 1 guys like I'd rather have an 8 plus Gen 1 which is what this phone's rumored to have um which makes sense by the way I I don't think them putting an 8 Gen 2 is going to happen in that thing but 8 plus Gen 1 oh yeah I mean they're so close those two chips anyway right Yeah so yeah I don't know it's cool So we talked about custom SOCs for <laughs> for Google and you know, this rumor has been swirling around for a while. I'm just bringing it up because I'm like, this is starting to get really more solid. So how do you feel about Oppo making their own SOC? Do you think this is happening? And do you think they can do this completely on their own? Or is this going to be like a partnership with, with like maybe MediaTek or something?
1: I think if they do it, it will not be on their own. Okay. Um, wafer supply agreements alone suck. And if you don't have scale, it's very expensive to fabricate your own chips, Yeah, um, let alone design them. And I think that they are um, going to want to have a partner. And I think MediaTek might be a good fit if they do choose to go that route.
0: Yeah, I agree. Do you think that from a marketing perspective, that they should approach this as purely a, you know, this is an Oppo chip and MediaTek is just completely just like, we know it's them, but... There's no marketing around it. Or do you think it's an opportunity for MediaTek to come out guns blazing?
1: I think most likely this will be one of those partnerships where MediaTek takes a back seat. because okay. OPPO, OPPO wants to own that. Yeah, the Maris Medi- Silicon Media- brand. And MediaTek is pretty good at helping their partners um, be successful without necessarily trying to take full credit for it.
0: So you're seeing a tensor type arrangement where we all know it's Samsung, but they're, you know, very rarely is Samsung mentioned, at least on a marketing kind of consumer facing side. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about this. I, you know, feel that they've done some cool stuff with Mary Silicon X. You know, they're bringing some low light video performance that still no other company is able to match even Apple. And that, you know, that's kind of their one thing, right? But I think that it does also help on other, in other situations. Like I have this, the, the Find N2 Flip is connects. X. I have, a, of course, the fine X5 Pro last year, which was Qualcomm-based for the SoC. And then, of course, I've used um, the Reno 8 Pro, which was MediaTek and Marisilkin X. And, you know, all of them are... Pretty great at low light video, and all of them are pretty solid overall in imaging. I don't think that the Reno and the Fine N2 Flip are in the same league, of course, as the Fine X5 Pro, right? Yeah. But there is definitely something to be said about them having their custom ISP. And we've seen the same thing with Vivo, who has also got some other custom ISP, which I I wouldn't be surprised is kind of like a because BBK Group is a kind of rebranded Mary Silicon X or something. But I'm I have no definite proof of that. Because Vivo is very opaque to us in the West. Like I love their product. I get it. They send it to me. But and it's always one of the best camera phones every year, the X series. But I'm just like, uh, yeah, we don't know much about how they do their stuff. They're they're kind of like the the terrible child in the BBK group in the way that they kind of like run their own thing and nobody really knows how they fit into the greater or equation of BBK. Whereas, you know, it's very clear that Oppo One Plus and RealMe And, you know, obviously now OnePlus is actually incorporated into Oppo, but even when they weren't, it was very clear that they were literally making kind of clone phones of each other, which was fine. You know, we knew this from the very first OnePlus one, guys. If you look back, that was a very mirrored version of an Oppo phone at the time. So that's always been the case. But with Vivo, I always felt like they're like little planets
1: inside BBK Group, right? So, yeah, they, I think, you know, They exist as a competitor to keep OPPO aggressive.
0: Yeah. And also I think they're more of the innovative branch. Like they've always been more like the, let's do some crazy R&D on something uh, than OPPO. I feel like OPPO has been more like, we want to make more mainstream products and Vivo wants to be like, we're doing the the
1: weird stuff. Well, oh, what's interesting is I feel like Oppo is doing a lot of the R&D.
0: Well, they are, but I feel like, you know, it doesn't seem to come out quite as clearly as with Vivo phones, you know? Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, I mean, look, here's the thing, right? If you look at the landscape of camera phones for 2022, last year, I mean, the Oppo Fine X5 Pro was the only phone with proper in-body stabilization, proper, you know sensor mounted on little motors moving around uh, that like Apple does, you know, we've seen Vivo do that too, but at, with a, a rotational gimbal type setup, like there is no other phone in Android land that has in-body stabilization done like the Apple Fine X5 Pro. That is a custom one-off solution, you know, and that is insane to me. Like the cost of that, for one phone, they've never reused that sensor on anything else. The sensor itself is a standard, like Sony of some kind. But I'm just saying, like they could have reused that, but no. Now maybe the Fine X6 Pro will inherit that mechanism with a newer Sony sensor. But it's crazy to me because that the R and D on that, like with Apple, it makes sense because they're they're making so many phones, and it's the third generation now of their in body stabilization, right? Sensor shift or whatever. So I find that interesting. But you're right, that's definitely, to me, an R&D tour de force, you know? Definitely. Same with the ceramics. Like, their work on ceramic back covers that have these complex shapes, that is something you, you actually find on OnePlus phones. Like, the camera bump on the OnePlus 11 is ceramic, partially, and... Part of the way they do that is the know-how they have in manipulating ceramic materials, which is very much an Oppo thing, right? And Xiaomi did it for a while too with the Mi Mix back in the day, right? But yeah, I think it's fascinating. I'm I'm excited to see a potential SoC from Oppo, simply to see what they do with it. And if they can integrate the Marisilicon imaging NPU stuff in there to kind of have a better... I hate that word synergy, Uh, but you know, in terms of uh, efficiencies, right? Like in terms of like power management stuff. So I was looking for stuff to talk about on the podcast and I found this Hisense A9 phone that was launched in China, which is an e ink smartphone. And I was like, I have never seen that. And supposedly this is like the second or third generation of Hisense e ink smartphone. What's your take on this thing? It looks fascinating.
1: I think they picked up. The flag that Yoda was carrying. I was just
0: gonna say the Yoda flag, but Yoda always had a normal display as well,
1: right? Sure, but nobody before Yoda, nobody even tried to do e-ink on a smartphone. It's
0: true, and they were the first. I have a Yoda phone too. Still,
1: somewhere, and they were like, "Hey, we'll give you both. You choose what you want to use, how you want to use it." So this is more of like a e-ink. You don't care about color. You don't care that much about frame rate. But here you go and have, you know, the most absurd battery life of any phone ever.
0: For sure. And then the specs aren't too shabby either. Snapdragon 662, that's a 4G chip. We've got a pretty decent resolution on that 6.1 inch display, sixteen forty eight by 824 that's better than 720p. Um... For that size display, that makes sense. I mean, it's not a monster in terms of specs, you know. You know, 4 no. gigs of 60 gigs of RAM, meh. 8 gigs apparently there's also an version that's, that's probably better. But, but you know, I'm, what I really want to do is try one of those to see what the user experience is like. Like, I'm not obviously realizing this is not going to be the phone I use for, you know, watching videos and playing games and and for even photography per se. But it's interesting to see how, how does Android run on this with like vanilla apps like Gmail and Mm -hmm. even Facebook and, you know, Twitter stuff. That's more text or all the messaging apps, you know,
1: I think it'll actually be a very good test of how Android works for colorblind accessibility because that's effectively what this is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that will be a really good test of those capabilities.
0: Yeah. I think this is fascinating. And so That's about $260. You can buy one on AliExpress, folks. There's actually a link in the story that I'm going to put in the show notes. The story is with Lily Pewding. And uh, check out, if you want to buy, I'm almost tempted to just try to buy one. Mm. Because I have the Yoda too, and that was cool. Um, The Yoda 3, I never got. I actually handled one at MWC, but I never got a review unit.
1: I never got any review units, but I did play with a few of them, and it was always a very interesting device.
0: Indeed. Look at that. It kind of looks cool too. I don't know. There's something about E-Ink that I like. Yeah. So, hey, there's a final topic. Actually, I want to add one in there because um, there's an Apple Watch news or rumor floating around that Apple is very close to releasing CGM, right? Um, Basically, Continuous glucose monitoring, which is used by diabetic folks to check their blood sugar level. You know, we we know a lot of folks who are diabetic who use CGM and it's changed their lives. So the holy grail has always been. Since I worked at Pebble back in the day, when we were actually interfacing Pebble with some of the CGM machines by hacking them, you know, with our community, because the manufacturers, of course, of health equipment didn't like us doing that. They've come around since then, right? They're now exposing their data and letting people own their data. I think that Pebble, in a way, was instrumental to that happening with the CGM manufacturers, because they realized, oh, you know, Yes, they're the patients, but they should own their data. And clearly, this is important and it's saving lives. So let's assist with that somehow. Know. So that, that changed everything in the last decade. But the strong rumors of CGM that is non-invasive, like non-invasive, doesn't require a, a sticker-type sensor on your body uh, through the Apple Watch. That's got me really fascinated. What's your take on that?
1: I actually think it's really valuable. Mm-hmm. I think it will... I think it'll be huge for people who both are diabetic and pre-diabetic. And I also think it'll expose them to a bigger market than they already have. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of science uh, and technology being poured into using CGM to determine which foods are better for you to consume based on your body and how it reacts to food. So, like... Even if you're not diabetic, CGM can be beneficial to you to reduce, you know, how what your your, your you know, sugar spikes are like and how to counteract them and what, what kind of things you should and shouldn't be eating or how you should and shouldn't be exercising. So I think it's really interesting. And uh, I think if Apple can make this happen, hopefully it, it percolates throughout the industry uh, and improves people's quality of life.
0: I think so. This is going to be cool. Like, I hope it comes true because we've been waiting for a CGM watch-based non-invasive solution for a long time. It will make a huge difference to millions, possibly billions of people. And and to be real, I hope that Apple is super cool about not really patenting this and letting it become available to the other watchmakers like Garmin particularly, who's, you know, probably one of the more popular in samsung but i think that you know you know pixel is, is a small player here and and of course you know yeah i'm wearing my pixel watch you know it's funny how i always kind of diminish the pixel watch in my head in terms of its kind of impact but the reality is it hasn't left my wrist Same. since i reviewed it in october and i'm one of those people who doesn't like charging their watch every day and i am charging it every day so like they did something right it's not big enough but it's man it is
1: it, it is you, do you know how many people have seen me wearing this and are like what is that is that the pixel watch because it looks so much better than everything else and that alone gets people's attention and i agree with you it is too small both of us you know it looks tiny on look our wrists it. i mean
0: it's kind of silly right
1: right <laughs> my but, giant wrist uh, and, and the battery life is not the greatest right but yeah there's something about it and you know the performance could be better too but i i think you know first gen let's give them a give them again the of it's that.
0: it's gotta be 2022 we're gonna look back at that year as like pixel devices ruled like they just nailed it on every level except the soc yep. oh well, we can't get it all right um the other apple rumor that's getting stronger and i you know i there's so many apple rumors and i don't like to cover them especially when they're like six months away like all the iphone 15 rumors USB C, we've talked about that it's happening we know that but what i'm really really excited about this is getting really close to becoming real is a 15 inch macbook air m2 or m3 whatever it might be in there chip wise the form factor like i it's not for me but like, I know that the moment Theo sees that, there will be a buy now button within five seconds of them um, because that's what they want so bad. They don't want a MacBook Pro. It's too heavy. It's too big. Yep. But they want more screen real estate because this is their main computer. They run their entire business on this. You know, I, yeah. I'm on an iMac most of the time. And then when I'm at in Vancouver, I'm on a my MacBook with an external display. So, but they like to be, all different parts of the house: their office, the bed, the couch, the kitchen, and they want a bigger screen. And this is going to be it. I cannot wait.
1: Do you a think thin this and light coming. A thin and light. I think it should. If it if it isn't, but a thin and light high performance notebook with good battery life that that can dissipate heat well.
0: Yeah, that's killer.
1: It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll sell really, really well.
0: Yeah, and I think Apple will be really surprised. I think, I mean, they've always kind of approached the bigger means pro, and this is proof that you don't need that. And I think the PC market in general has spoken about that. You know, there's a lot of more affordable, larger screen laptops out there that are very popular.
1: The Grams are. Oh, Grams, the LG, yeah. Big screen, super light. You know, it's satisfying a market.
0: For sure. So look, folks, this is super cool. If it's happening and if you're a Mac user and you're looking for uh, upgrading your Macs to the M chip and you've been waiting for a super light, larger screen laptop, this is it. This is your your ticket. And yeah, if they keep the price reasonable, this is going to be their best seller of 2023, in my opinion. You know? I agree. So exciting. Super exciting. Folks, you know, stay tuned. We'll be back soon at MWC. We'll have a nice show with a lot of folks covering all the details. It'll be fun. It'll be chaos as always, which is, I know you love it. You know, you get a quiet podcast this week and you get a crazy podcast next week. Right? On shell, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much on shell sog everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, you name it. I'm the same guy everywhere. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's right. So Anshell writes for Forbes part of the time, of course, works for more insight and strategy. He's an analyst, so he's got a lot of great thoughts about things. So I, you know, follow him just for that, but also check out the articles on Forbes and stuff. And some of the more strategy are available to the public, correct? Yep. And folks, you know where to find me. I'm at Tank Girl, that's T-N-K-G-R-L, both on Twitter and Instagram. Think about the comic book character Tank Girl. Drop all the vowels, T-N-K-G-R-L. If you want to chat with me and on-shell about this podcast, yeah, do it on Twitter. I think it's probably a good solution for now. And uh, Instagram is where you'll find pretty pictures of phones, cars, travel, and food from me taken with phones. I was at a Mercedes thing yesterday, for example, where they showed the interior and infotainment system of the new E-Class Mercedes. And, um, you know, I, I'll be writing a story for Motor One about that. So stay tuned for that. But I'm just bringing it up because, you know, pictures of cars. And I posted pictures of the doors of the E-Class because that's the only thing. I mean, we were allowed to show the interior and I've got pictures in here, but like dashboard interior, but we weren't allowed to take pictures of the car. So they cocooned this car in this like a uh, little, you know
1: Tessellated.
0: Tessellated, yeah. Cocoon. <laughs> it was dorky. But it was funny because I was like, I've got a scoop. You wanna see the doors? The doors, the door. I have the doors. So a lot of there was a lot of laughing with the other journalists when I took those photos, but you'll find that on Twitter and Instagram. So that's my point Two YouTube channels. You should subscribe to that are related to the podcast that have some visual content for the podcast, like unboxing my oppo fine to flip, for example, that's, YouTube.com slash Mobile Tech Podcast and YouTube.com slash Mobile More. You know how YouTube works. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the little bell, comment, all that stuff. If you want to comment about the podcast as well and the other non-necessarily related to the podcast videos, do that because I'd love to hear your thoughts and it's a good vehicle for us to chat. The podcast itself lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify. Everywhere good podcasts can be found. So, you know, subscribe and tell the world about the podcast. Always happy to have more followers, so that's good. And uh, if you want something a little special and you want to support me financially, there is a Patreon. Patreon.com slash tanker. That's Patreon.com slash TNKGRL. So, the big one, and you see me brandish the Oppo earlier, the flip phone, you know, is uh, we have a video version. That's why I keep showing things on camera. For those of you subscribing, you get it earlier through Patreon, one of the tiers we have, and you you get it slightly less edited. I leave some of the bloopers in there for fun. Yeah, so consider joining the Patreon for that. There's also a tier to join our Discord server and chat a little bit more in depth. And there's a bunch of other perks there, so check it out. Patreon.com slash TNKGRL. If you don't like Patreon, that's cool. I get it. You know, it's, it's kind of like a recurring thing. If you want to just donate some money to help me out, you know, I like my coffee. So help me out with a uh, $5 donation through PayPal. There's a link in the show notes. Just click through. The little PayPal button there. You can click on it. Yeah, think of helping me out. I appreciate it. And uh, I want to thank Mint Mobile, our sponsor. They're pretty awesome. So as you know, I'm constantly reviewing multiple phones, and while that's fun, it also means I'm constantly spending a lot of money for wireless service on multiple SIMs. That's where Mint Mobile comes in, and that's who I'm partnering with for today's podcast. If you also want to save money on your wireless service, switch to Mint Mobile. As tech-savvy early adopters, you've probably heard of Mint Mobile before, but let me quickly tell you how awesome their service is. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for as low as $15 a month, and you don't have to sacrifice any coverage, speed, or data. They're built on the nation's largest 5G network. They keep costs low because they sell direct to you online. They cut out the retail stores and salespeople. Why should you pay more than you have to for access to the same network? In my experience testing phones, Mint Mobile delivers the same data speeds and call quality as the Big 3 for a fraction of the cost. Switching to Mint is super easy. Thanks to their eSIMs, you can sign up and activate immediately right on your phone from the comfort of your home. No more standing around and waiting in line at a big wireless store. You can keep your current device and phone number and easily switch services. And if your phone is an eSIM compatible, Mint will ship you a new SIM free of charge. All Mint Mobile plans include unlimited nationwide talk and text, lightning fast 5G, and free mobile hotspot. Mint will show you how much data you use each month and recommend plans that save you money. Mint also offers a modern family plan that lets you set up a super affordable family plan with as little as two lines. Use my link, mintmobile.com mobiletech to get premium wireless starting for $15 a month. That's mintmobile.com mobiletech. Stop paying more than you need on your wireless bill and start saving big with Mint Mobile. And I also want to thank you, Anshel, for being my guest again. Thanks so much for being on the show.
1: Thanks again for having me. I always love coming on and chatting with you about stuff.
0: It's always a delight and hopefully I'll see you at MWC, maybe not on the show, but maybe. And uh, folks, we'll have another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.